0: Welcome back to and Nick Podcast, Episode 5. Pac-12 football. Whatever pops in my head. I don't know. It's been a fun day. It's been a fun day. Alright, I gotta zone back in here talking about Pac-12 football live from my driveway. I thought it's very important to note that last time I was doing this podcast is parked at like a random alley by my house and this car just totally crept up behind me and like wouldn't leave. And it was really scary. I mean, for him. I mean, he should have been rattled. He was so scared that I drove off and maybe even almost crashed on the way out because he was rattled. So yeah, that's my fun story. Okay, rant over. Watch out for random cars. Pac-12 football. So if you look at the top of the conference this week, which is, I mean, whether it's right or wrong, that's where the attention is going to go, especially with the college football playoff around the corner. Um, Oregon and Utah both took care of business. I think that... Just cut, we're gonna get. We'll get to the other teams really quick. But just a brief statement here. I think that Oregon is probably the best team and most realistic team to actually be able to win a game in the college football playoff. But with that being said, Utah could beat Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. And in other words, Oregon can beat teams that Utah may not be able to beat, but Utah can beat Oregon, and that's kind of the way I'm looking at this big picture. Uh, assuming things finish out and Utah closes the deal um on Oregon's half it's done. So, let's hop in some other games. We got some other teams in conference and first off and for me, man, got to talk about the Oregon State Beavers. I have no association with the school, but it just the turnaround they've made this year, the t- the way they've won games and this win over ASU this past week, huge for the program. You at um Stanford versus WSU um uh, I mean it was kind of a middle-of-the-road game, but WC was able to pull out a homecoming win. Good win for them. Um, as I mentioned, we have Oregon-Arizona. Um, let's see, what other team is there. There's one other matchup I'm forgetting. You know what? I don't remember right now. Sorry, sorry, whatever two schools you are. I'll talk about you in detail later. I'm going to need Dane to remind me, man. Dane's the man with the facts, the man with the plan. He's got it all. Listen to Dane. Get us started, Dane. Dane and Nick, episode five. I said Dane three times in a row, four times in a row. Let's get it, baby.
1: All right, guys, welcome to episode five of the Dana Nick show. Uh, Yeah, my big takeaway from this week was Utah blowing out UCLA. I think that win, I mean, definitely it was the most impressive win of the weekend by far. And the impact that that victory, particularly the margin of victory, is going to have on the college football playoff committee is significant. And when you look at what Oregon did against Arizona, they didn't help themselves. They didn't. They definitely did not do themselves any favors. I mean, Oregon put up 34 points on the Arizona team that Oregon State scored 56 on. Um, I know Oregon only let Arizona score six, and the Oregon defense is good. But you can only put up 34 points against one of the worst defenses in the entire country coming off a bye week that's uh that's an issue and that is significant and shouldn't be understated what Oregon did against Arizona and when you compare that to what Utah did against UCLA who's been rolling recently UCLA has been one of the best teams you know play-wise over the last few weeks in the entire conference they've been on a roll DTR was playing great um And so that's the biggest takeaway, and I think for possibly the first time this year, I'm going to be putting Utah at number one in my power ranking because Utah is a better team. I think, at least from this weekend's performance, that's clear, and I'm really surprised. I was expecting Oregon to put up legitimately 70 points, and they didn't. And UCLA scored three against the Utah defense. But Utah's offense put up, what was it, 49? So, yeah, that's my biggest takeaway. The College Football Playoff Committee is going to look at Utah more favorably than Oregon after this weekend. Uh, Other than that, Wazoo had a nice win over Stanford. And um, ASU went for two against Oregon State which is noteworthy, and we'll discuss it later. Um, And then USC blowing out Cal, also a surprising result. Um, But yeah, I think uh, let's just jump right into the first game.
0: So first off, let me correct myself. It was dad's weekend in Pullman. It was not homecoming weekend, unless they have those – two events on the same weekend and that'd be pretty freaking weird i don't know but so we're gonna drop into football you've had enough my randomness at least for this moment so wsu jumped out in this game to a really solid 19 to 0 lead uh the air raid was just dominating anthony gordon was passing over the top under the top under the top wow uh over the top connecting on under routes um kind of deep wheel routes and yeah i mean wsu was dominating the game they were up Nineteen to zero. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. On the other side of the rocks, Stanford kind of started getting themselves back in the game. They got a forty-yard bomb to Wilson. forty-plus yards to Wilson along the sideline, and then it's finished off by a quick um, pass to uh, Simi Fajoko, who took it to the house. Um, Stanford's wide out, and so all of a sudden the game was nineteen to seven, and it looked like Stanford may actually have a little chance. And all of a sudden, uh, Stanford scored again, and things got very tight in Pullman. And we'll get to the rest of this game in a second. But I think this kind of explains um, WCU's season. Yeah, they won the game, but we're talking about a team that could have won the North the last three years if it wasn't for Chris Peterson's Huskies, uh, really just destroying them in the Apple Cup every year. It hasn't been close. And so, but you have to keep in mind this has been a top tier team in the Pac-12 the last couple of years. Who cares whether the conference is down? You just beat who you play. That's how that's how it's done. So, um, the thing with WSU this year, you're up 19-0. It's dad's weekend. Put the foot on the neck. I mean, that's not the nicest quote, but seriously, put the foot on the neck. End it. Like, there's no reason Stanford should be hanging around. They're with their backup quarterback. They've had 742 injured linemen this year. Um, Really, no, no consistency at all in the program. So, you need to end them. WSU has great receivers around there. The speed should be impossible to kind of keep up with. Um, I believe Brant... I don't know his first name, but Arcanado's is star receiver. And he's a nightmare to defend. He's got um, kind of like... Uh, he's not Isaiah Hodgins for Oregon State, but he's got those Doug Baldwin characteristics. Just fine space, very smart receiver, catches the ball. Uh, maybe not the most athletic guy. Still has athleticism. But anyway, he, they, they have him. They have a couple other guys with a little more athleticism. So you could have just ended it. And for some reason, again they allowed Stanford back in this game. And um I don't remember the exact score per se, but it was essentially a three-point game until WSU took a very long um kick return. It wasn't all the way to the houses like the 10-yard line. WSU was able to score a quick touchdown on a pass by Gordon, and uh, they were able to recapture momentum. They went up 10, and they ended up winning the game like 27 points or something like that. So they ended up winning the game pretty easily. But... For WSU, this is just – this is their not – that was an interesting sentence. This is not who they've been the last couple of years. Just allowing teams, especially a team like Stanford, much respect. I'll get to them in a quick second. But old school WSU, Gardner Minshew, Luke Falk would have ended them and ended them quickly. So that's it for WSU. Bottom line, good win. They maintain their bowl eligibility. Um, For Pullman fans, if they beat the Huskies, it may even be better than it's been the last couple of years. I'm not sure how they would – Look at that. But So we're get over to Stanford now. Um, Stanford, you know what? This season with all the injuries, you can't really judge them. But the big, big takeaway from this game is Davis Mills could be the real deal at quarterback. Um, he seems to lack the mobility. And granted, WSU doesn't have an amazing secondary or anything like that. But he was really making some great throws. Some great consistent throws. And these are like third and long, third and 12 situations. And, like, you know what? A lot of people can do that when your team's up. When your team's down 19-0, to it was a pretty loud crowd in Pullman. And, like, to be able to make these throws in in a game where you're trailing on the road says a lot about his character and could be a very bright spot for Stanford going forward. Uh, They've been pretty solid on the ground. That's kind of been their M.O. the last couple of years. But maybe they finally found their quarterback in Davis Mills. And that could be the biggest takeaway, so Stanford still had yeah, that's the biggest takeaway from this game for sure. And so looking ahead, bowl eligibility is not real. I believe they have to win their they do have to win their final two games um against Cal and Notre Dame. Cal's a much more realistic win, but Notre Dame, I mean if they beat Notre Dame and Cal and make a bowl game, David Shaw should be up for Pac-12 coach of the year. <laughs> and I know that doesn't sound like it uh, doesn't sound like impressive with a six and six record, but seriously, to go six and six with your whole offensive line battered. Quick fact about football: you don't have an offensive line. You can have all the running backs, good quarterbacks, receivers, superstars in the world. The Joe Montana's, the Jerry Rice's. Hey, that that was some bay players in the NFL level. That was not planned. But yeah, I mean, you can have the elite players, and if you can't block, you stand no chance and no chance at all, really. You what two point se- two seconds to throw the ball, so. Anyway, if they can, um, the way if they can win those final two games uh, against Cal and really just shock Notre Dame, they still have an outside chance of eligibility. But for Stanford fans, just realistically look at the big picture. You got injured, your program held intact, you didn't fall down to like a zero 11 eleven, one and twelve type situation, one of those seasons. So really, there's nothing to hang your hat, of, uh, hang your hat on. This. How do you say that quote? We're gonna pick a new quote. Just don't be too depressed about your season. You've actually done a really good job this year. So, again, WSU, good win, still lacking that killer instinct. Um, maybe they can pull out a win in an Apple Cup and it'd really brighten the spirits of that whole town and Pullman and WSU. And for Stanford, probably not going to make a bowl game, just to be realistic. I mean, they're, they beat Notre Dame. That'd be arguably the biggest upset of the year. But in terms of how well they've played with all the injuries, it's something they should definitely be proud
1: of great win for wazoo uh, they're now five and five and they need one more victory to make a bowl game they got oregon state coming up the games out there and pullman uh and then they i think go to seattle to play u so um, both of those games are winnable um i know oregon state is playing well and you know washington has had their number over the past handful of years but Washington State could end the year with seven wins going into a decent bowl game, and if they play like this, I think they will win. And if you look at their the stats here, I think the key, um, and Nick has mentioned this previously, um, the the rushing attack uh, is is important for for Wazoo. Um, Hundred eleven rushing yards for Borgie, and I think that's really key for them not only in this game, but moving forward, because when you're able to run the ball effectively, it makes it a lot easier uh, to pass the ball for, for Gordon to, um, to pass the ball effectively, not just, you know, throwing it all over the field uh, and getting short gains, but it allows you to get longer um, plays, bigger plays um, because the defense has to respect the run. And when, you know, they're concerned about an effective run game Um, They're not as focused on stopping the pass. So uh, Gordon went off. I think he had uh, 520 yards or something along those lines uh, through the air. And so, yeah. And also the defensive effort for Wazoo was fantastic. Uh, If you're looking at the statistics from this game, Stanford had six rushing yards. Six. That is that is, uh, that's that's insane. That is r- ridiculous. Um, and I don't know why Davis Mills started. If uh, it was a coaching decision for performance, um, but I thought he played pretty well. Um, five hundred four yards passing. That's substantial. That might have set a record for Stanford. They do not do that. That's not how they operate. So, five hundred four yards through the air 50 attempts uh I don't have the the record book in front of me but that's probably at least if not a record it's got to be pretty close I mean that's got to be the most uh passing yards a Stanford quarterback has had in a very long time uh probably possibly if I had to guess going back to the Andrew Luck era and even then um that might have been more than what Andrew Luck ever did in a single game so yeah uh he did throw two interceptions which is not good. That's really probably what um, did them in. I did see him have a really nice back shoulder throw. Uh, I think it was at the end of the second quarter, uh, right before halftime. He threw, Mills uh, threw a great ball uh, to the back shoulder. Uh, the Sanford wide receiver caught it over the back, essentially, of the Wazoo defender and uh, landed in the end zone for a touchdown. So, if you're Stanford, I think you probably should stick with Mills. Uh don't know the situation there, uh, but that would make the most sense to me. And, uh, yeah, you're just having, frankly, a terrible season. Uh, you've got a lot of injuries across the board to a lot of different players. If you're watching the game, the announcers highlighted they have, like, 36 different players like playing for the first time, and like 19 of them started their first game ever this season. And you had like 18 players who've gotten injured, and 15 of them were like out for like the season or something ridiculous. And sometimes teams just have those years, but you really need to analyze why. And it's not like Stanford is an up tempo team. You know, they're not running a bunch of plays like other teams in the conference are. So that's really more of a strength and conditioning thing along with bad luck. But if you have that many players going down to injury, you need to take a look at how you're training, you know, in the off season and during the season, how you're practicing, things like that. And I mean, Stanford's now four and six. And I'm not sure if they made a bowl game last year, but I don't think they did. Um, so this is two poor years in a row for David Shaw, and it's really unusual for the Stanford program to be experiencing things like this, so last week I did mention that it's at least legitimate to start talking about whether or not he's the right coach there, which seems crazy. Based on his accomplishments there, and I did say it's probably jumping the gun a little too early to be discussing that. But when when do you draw the line? Like, is it, you have to have three years in a row of losing seasons or a poor, you know, a, a five hundred season before you start discussing it? Um, I think the injury bug is really what has probably saved him this year from being on the hot seat, but, I mean, what another year like this, and then is he going to be on the hot seat, or is it going to take two more years of something like this? Um, You know, the Pac-12 North is an incredibly tough division, and with Oregon State on the rise uh, and Cal on the rise, Stanford is getting towards the bottom tier of that division, and it seems crazy based on what the Cardinal have accomplished over the last, you know, five years or longer. So just a bunch of red flags for Stanford. Um but like I said for Wazoo, uh you can end the year strong. You can beat Oregon State coming up and then you can go into Seattle and win the Apple Cup and then you'll have seven wins. And uh depending on how everything else shakes out, you might make the holiday bowl again or um, you know, another decent bowl. So um good good win for wazoo and uh, really a bad loss for stanford
0: all right the team that i'm loving to cheer for this year the bottom feeder of the last couple seasons the oregon state beavers are five and five and if they can head down to the palouse next week and knock off the cougs they are bowl eligible who would have thought it seriously this the improvements this team has made this year has been absolutely amazing um big ups to head coach John Jonathan Smith he's done a great job 6 year senior quarterback Jake Luton um i i can't say whether or not he's an NFL player but he's put together a truly incredible college season and i think maybe I mean, definitely people around the country have no idea who he is. Unless, if you're in the Pac 12, you might not know who he is, but go check out his stats. They're phenomenal. I'm not going to give them to you. You got to go read them yourself. And the way he's led this team, and they could, I mean, this is a team that could have folded. I mean, they're serious. I think they've won three conference games the previous two seasons. So just the way they've bounced back. Oh, yeah. And just so you know, I'm going to hop into the game here. I think that's kind of the point, but I think that. You guys can understand by the way I'm talking that they won, so figure it out. That's what I got to say. Figure it out, guys. But no, um, so great. Just the way Jake Luton and uh, Jonathan Smith have led the team this year has been truly phenomenal to watch. Um, Star wideout and Isaiah Hodgson, too, could probably not the most physically gifted receiver, but he could be the best receiver in the Pac-12. He's the top three for sure. For sure. For darn sure. Darn skippy. How about that? No, so getting into the game now. Arizona Arizona State versus Oregon State back and forth affair and um the main kind of turning point was Oregon State jumped up 35 to 21. Arizona State battled all the way back and uh it was 34-35 and head coach Herm Edwards uh, head coach of the Sun Devils Herm Edwards decided to go for it and ultimately fell up short. They ran it's like they ran a toss essentially and it got completely stuffed and so From the outside, you know, you can look at it, say that's the game. And yeah, I mean, it was the game, which uh, here comes a random tangent. So uh, me and my dad were talking about this a couple, probably a month and a half ago. And is it the right decision to go for two or kick the extra point? My dad believes that um, you should always generally kick the extra point. And I believe that sometimes it is kind of important to go for two and try and get that win right there. Um, the couple of games I've seen this year, and this is by no, this is seriously no statistics. So don't take this like, you know, to heart. This is like, this is just Nick, what I've seen literally, um, I've seen a bunch of teams go for two and just not get it and lose games this year. And uh, that, I guess is contrary to my belief and caught me a little bit off guard. So back to the game. I think that Herm Edwards, the two point conversions, the two point conversion, they lost. Everyone will look at that. But I think you can look at this game being lost as in the way uh, it kind of executed by, the, it, by it. Sometimes the sentences I just say just don't flow, man. <laughs> All right. So sometimes uh, Herm Edwards just... I'm struggling here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm struggling to get this thought out. Can I do it? I believe in myself. I believe I can achieve, baby. All right. So what I'm really trying to say here, we're going to give it a third time's a charm, right? I think this game may have been lost earlier because Oregon State um, ran the ball 30 times or at least 30 times at two different halfbacks in Artavis, Pierce, and Jamar Jefferson. Neither one of them put up great statistics. Um, one of them had 63 yards, the other one had like 39, some, something in that ballpark. And so ASU ran like 16 times or something with a no Benjamin, a uh, no Benjamin, but When you have a back like that in a workhorse, and he's probably not going to be an NFL stud, but at the college level, he's a physical guy that Oregon State wouldn't want to see 20, 30 times, or at least mix in other backs. And that's kind of shocking to me that Herm Edwards wouldn't put the load in his hands a little bit more, especially when you're on the road in a hyped-up crowd in Corvallis. Now, it was senior night there. Um, They understand what's at stake, and they were ready. And so the way to take him out is to be boring, run that ball, Wear down Oregon State. And this could have proven wise, especially since last week Oregon State just got beat up physically. You'd have dominated. I mean, they they were hurt. Like their feelings had to have been hurt a little bit. And so I'm kinda of surprised to see that Herm Edwards didn't go with that same tactic. Gradually uh obviously from a physicality standpoint, um, Arizona State isn't as dominant as Washington, but you could still figure out a way. I mean, you were a coach in the NFL and granted you work with the players you get, but being an NFL coach, you've seen it all. So that's kind of shocking to me that ASU didn't uh, run the ball more. And uh, the other thing for ASU is the – let's not go too, de- too in-depth in this because it is a short trend. It's not – I hate when people throw out random statistics like there was – they are 2-0 in the month of March when it snows and someone's holding up their left hand. So, like, you know, this is just kind of an observation. The last two weeks, uh, ASU has fallen behind. They fell behind um, – I think, actually, it may have been 21-0. No, it was 28-7 against USC. And it was, again, 35-21 against Oregon State. And they don't have the talent to come back and pull these games these games out. That's just apparent. They really don't have the talent to do that. They're not an elite team. And that's just not a safe way to play in general. So they're going to need to jump out. They still have a chance to make a bowl game. I believe they play Oregon next week. I think they do play Oregon in prime time. So that's... Definitely gonna to be tough, uh, tough. But they do uh, finish their season, the territorial cup against Arizona, where they will have a chance to be bowl eligible. So, quick recap. Let's let's get on. Let's move on. You know, we all, you guys, got lives. You guys got things to do. So, basically, Oregon State, great win. No matter what happens, their program, their program has improved so much. You've got to feel happy for the seniors. Four conference wins this year. Four conference wins for Oregon State. Let's just hear that out. So. They win one, their final two. Realistically, Washington State's a better shot than Oregon, but anything can happen in a rivalry game. So, Beaver fans, don't come at me. Listen, I'm trying to be safe here. Anything can happen in a rivalry game. If I had to bet my life savings, I bet on the Ducks, but anything can happen, and I'm very well aware of that. And for Arizona State, they've lost four straight. Actually, don't quote me on that. It's either three or four straight. We'll we'll go three, just to be safe. They've lost at least three in a row, and so they need to just kind of figure it out. They're a young team stop falling behind. And who knows, they they still have some pieces. They could pull off an upset against Oregon. Again, not likely, but it is possible. But if they can win, um, against if they can win the territorial cup, get themselves to six and six and bull eligible in the second year, still a solid season. Let's not forget it's only, it's only the second year in Herm Edwards campaign and they've looked solid so far. So if each team can win one more they're both eligible. Hey, Beeves, mad respect to your program. You on the up and up, baby.
1: There's nothing wrong with trying to win a football game on the road. Uh, though now ASU's lost four games in a row, and they play Oregon next in Tempe. So you're probably looking at a five-game losing streak heading into the Territorial Cup with Arizona. So, yeah, it's just uh, one of those things for ASU where you started off so strong and you've definitely fizzled. I mean, you almost beat USC, you almost beat Oregon State, but you lost both of those games. And you're probably going to lose to Oregon, so you're relying on a win in the Territorial Cup to make a bowl game. And I don't know how much our listeners know about the Territorial Cup, but that is a that is just a crapshoot. You don't know who's going to win. You could have a two-loss team beat a eight-win team, it doesn't matter. You don't don't look at the records when it comes to that who's going to win that game. So you're relying on that and that, that if that is true if you're relying on beating Arizona to make the bowl game that is going to massively motivate the Wildcats. So you it's going to be tough for them to make a bowl. I'm not saying that they're not going to beat Arizona because I think they are, but I'm saying that they're probably going to lose to Oregon and being then they're going to be reliant uh, to beat Arizona in the territorial cup to make a bowl. And if you had told me a few you know weeks ago that ASU would s- still not be bowl eligible at this point in the season, I would have been shocked because they were playing you know one of the best in the conference at one point. I think I had them uh, number three in my power ranking. So they've really fallen off and. I don't know if we can really explain why. I mean, Jaden Daniels is a freshman, so going through this is going to be, you know, help him develop and grow for next season. He's going to be a problem moving forward. But I think Eno Benjamin, if he's not a junior, he's a senior, so um yeah, you're going to you're going to be losing a, a good amount of your uh production. Um, but from this game, okay, so Brandon iuke had a wonderful, absolutely fantastic performance. Uh, 10 catches with 173 yards and a touchdown. Jaden Daniels himself, 24 for 36 with three touchdowns. Eno Benjamin, 70 yards with a touchdown. So uh, if you just look at the box score, they played good enough to win, uh, and they probably should have won. Um, let's be frank about it. Uh, Oregon State, You know, they went up, and then they sort of... uh, It was really a battle-all game. There was never really any separation between these two teams. Um, Oregon State had a really interesting coaching decision, too, there with, what was it, 50 seconds left, and it was fourth down. And they decided to go for it instead of punting it away. Uh, Again, I don't disagree with the decision. I would not have done it because you're at, like, your own 50-yard line, and not getting that would have allowed ASU to get right into field goal range and kick a field goal to win the game though I understand why you do it because you're trying to win the game yourself and your offense was playing good enough uh so and then you know on that play there was what was it a pass interference call which gave you an automatic first down so it worked out though it was a dangerous decision Um, But yeah, Lutton played great. Again, not many yards. I mean, 288 passing yards, it's not a ton. Though he was 26 for 35 with four touchdowns. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins, uh, six receptions, 93 yards. So um, Hodgins looks like an NFL receiver. Jake Lutton, uh, I've said this previously, I actually think he's going to get drafted. It's crazy to say that, but I can see him going in like the fifth or sixth round. Uh, depending on how he does at the combine he seems to have a really good understanding of how to run that offense he's making great decisions I mean what does he have like one interception all year Uh, I'm pulling up his stats right now so uh, it's a little bit slow but let's see Um, anyways it's something like one interception this year and uh, which is really a surprise considering you know the quality that Oregon State has had over the last few years wouldn't um, you know lead you to believe at the beginning of the season that Lutton was going to play this well. So he has two interceptions this year with 23 touchdowns. Um, So that is a professional level performance. And I'll say it again. I think he's going to get drafted, which is, I, I'm shocked saying that, but um, good for him. Good for the Oregon state Beavers. Uh, They next play Wazoo out there in Pullman. So you can win that game. I mean, Wazoo is really inconsistent. You're going to have to figure out how to stop that spread uh, pass air raid because looking at what Wazoo did to Stanford, um, that's going to be a tough, tough game for for Oregon State. But if you win that game, you're bowl eligible and you're going to a bowl. And then at the end of the year, you have Oregon. And Oregon, like I'm not going to put a sugar coat on it. Oregon didn't play that great against Arizona. So if you're the Beavers why not? Why not win that game? Why not you know it's it's a rivalry the civil war. Uh Oregon State has done it before. So you got to have a lot of confidence moving forward. There's no way around that and you got to believe that you can win not only at Wazoo but at Oregon and you only need one of those games to make a bowl game. So it's all in front of you and it's all on you and you're, you know, you're not going to win the Pac-12, but you control your destiny to make a bowl game. And when was the last time Oregon made a bowl game? It's probably been at least four or five years, maybe longer. Uh, so you got to have a lot of hope, a lot of momentum, a lot of belief in your team and in the direction of your program. Uh, it's fantastic what they've been able to accomplish. So it's really a tale of. Um, of two teams when you compare ASU and Oregon State. So my boy Dane
0: over here knows everything that we need to know about um, the Wildcats. So I'm gonna let him take most of the talk about this game. This is his moment he knows it Like this is his moment he's got life he's got a lot of good things going on but he he's gonna get more of the time in this moment i should say but i was i mean for arizona i'm not really gonna touch on that to me running a two quarterback system really just isn't effective you're hurting cleo tate's confidence you're hurting grant cannell's confidence and they they should have made a decision a long time ago i mean especially it's like cleo tate's a senior if you're gonna bench him just bench him stop stop wasting his breath he can be doing other things and for Grant Gannell it's like if you're trying to get your shot like give me my shot don't just take me out random series random plays that's not a winning formula especially when you're trying to build an identity in a program I believe it's Kevin Sumlin's second year I'm don't call me that. I think it's his second year but so yeah that's pretty much all I have to say about the Wildcats again this is Dane's thing I, I just wish they'd make one clear decision for a team that started off so hot to follow this hard and fast is kind of shocking and it certainly can't be easy for their fan base so hopefully they can get it figured out um they have some talent down in Arizona someone's a proven winner so hopefully they can get it figured out uh they believe they can achieve they can do it hip hip, hip hooray hip hip hooray okay so on to Oregon great performance you know they, they took care of business they did what they have to do Uh, My main concern for the Ducks going forward is just, I don't know. They just don't seem to have like that it factor. I would love to sit here and like lie to y'all because this is Pac-12 football, but I think we all know we're more concerned about what Oregon's going to do in the potential college football playoff than they were going to do against Arizona. I mean, they have Arizona State and Oregon State to round out their season and they played great this game. They really did. They did exactly what they should have done. Their defense returned to its dominant form. They moved the ball through the air. I'm pretty sure they moved the ball on the ground. I'm not going to go look up that statistic because the game was 34-6. to I'm like, <laughs> come on, guys. But, so, for Oregon, they just... Oh, run and gun. Ooh, a basketball team that I do not play for just texted me. Cool, cool. I'm a substitute for a men's league team. We balling out here. But, no, so... Oregon doesn't have the look of just that elite team. Like they look like a very talented, a scary team, and probably the best team in conference. But if I'm comparing them to the Oregon, uh, to the Oregon's, to the Ohio States, Alabama's, Clemson's, and yes, Alabama without Tua, I still probably think they'd be Oregon. This is a Pac-12 blo- podcast, and I watch eighty percent, like. of the college football games I watch is probably Pac-12. Probably an 85-90. I'll turn on, you know, SEC game or an elite team here or there. But I love my West Coast football. Something about it, baby. Great conference, West Coast, best coast. But if I'd be lying to you all and lying to myself. And I think a lot of Pac-12 writers may do it. Dude, like, the SEC football is better. Teams like Clemson, they're better. They are. Like, they are, guys. Like. Are you? Can we stop lying to ourselves? Now, in USC, Pete Carroll, Trojan era, that, we had that squad. We were about that life. We were the top team in the top conference, and no one wanted to face Pete Carroll in SC. Does Oregon have that feel? Because that's the feel of a national championship team. See what I'm getting at here? So I just want to ask you this. I may have already said it. I think I did already say it, but if your life savings was on the line, would you take Alabama... Oregon, Ohio State, Clemson. Which of those four doesn't sound like they fit in right now or look like they fit in? Come on, guys. Let, let's be honest. Y'all can be mad at me. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. It's going to be all right. The SEC is better football. It's going to be all right. Oh, he said it again. You guys, the SEC is better. All right. I'm done. The SEC is better. Okay. Um. So... Oregon again they played perfect they should beat Arizona State they should beat Oregon State rivalry game not going to say it's impossible for Oregon State to pull it out but if they sneak in the college football playoff I think there's a chance they get lambasted hey I don't know at all I'm not a magician that's just my feel that's just my pick I stand by it good job ducks pulling out the win we'll see what happens you'll need some help to get in and who do you guys even play? Oh, yeah, Arizona, figure it out.
1: Oregon did not do themselves any favors this weekend. I think a lot of people were expecting a much greater margin of victory. Um, you only able to put up 34 points against an Arizona team who has given up uh, significantly more to other teams. So if you look at Arizona's, um, you know, previous games, Oregon State put up 56. Stanford put up 41, USC put up 41, Washington put up 51, um, even Hawaii put up 45, and you're only able to put up 34, and that game was in Eugene coming off a bye week? That's not good. This, this result set them back, and it seems crazy to say that because they won by four touchdowns and they only allowed six points. But you're trying to make the college football playoff, and the margin of victory is extremely important. I think a lot of people were expecting, especially in Tucson, for Oregon to put up legitimately 70 points, 70, and they fell far short. So, before I jump into Arizona's performance, I think it needs to be you know, discussed that this game didn't help Oregon, and... I've said in a previous segment here that I now think Utah is the best team in the conference. And I've been on the Oregon train all year. Uh, I think Justin Herbert's a great quarterback. I think their running backs are very strong, and they have uh, good wide receivers. Uh, Pittman went down, which I don't want to speculate, but it looks like a broken wrist. So he's probably out for the rest of the season, though you never really know, but That wrist did not look good, and so that's you're down a weapon now. I think he was a freshman and was contributing a lot, so that's not a fatal blow, but I think it's a noteworthy injury. Um, Herbert spreads the ball around a lot, so it's not like uh, the worst thing that could happen, but it's certainly not good for them. And, um, yeah, on the defensive side, they're fantastic. That's definitely the strength of their team is their defense. If you look at the stats, um, held Arizona to 5 of 17 on third down and only 240 total yards of offense. So you compare that to Utah, their defenses are very similar. Um, though I can't believe I'm saying this, I think Oregon's offenses regressed a little bit, and they're not as potent as Utah's. And if you are listening to the broadcasts, Um, the announcers were discussing Oregon's offensive capabilities. They were mentioning whether or not Oregon can win in a shootout. And it's a legitimate question if you're only able to put up 34 against Arizona. I don't think it can be understated how bad the Arizona defense is. This is probably the worst power five defense in the whole country. And so I'll say that again, the worst power five defense in the whole country and you're only putting up 34, Hawaii's putting up more on Arizona. Oregon State is putting up more on Arizona. Like, if that doesn't raise red flags and scare you, it should. Because this game was at home, coming off a bye week. This is is not a good result. Let's not sugarcoat it. Let's not prop up the Oregon defense all that much. Though they are great, and let's give them that but your offense is is got issues. Um yeah. I'm I'm shocked that I'm saying this because I I thought Oregon was by far better than Utah and that's not true. So we'll see how it goes in the championship game. Oregon's got um Oregon State on the schedule. Uh, remaining uh, in the Civil War, and then they go to Tempe here against ASU, and historically ASU plays well against Oregon and Tempe. Uh, I don't have the previous results right in front of me, but um, that's not a game that's just a pencil and a W. So they're gonna they're gonna need to come ready to you know for a battle, and we'll see how that works out for the margin of victory. Because as I said in the previous segments the margin of victory is the most important thing you're competing with clemson ohio state lsu alabama oklahoma and these teams are winning their games oklahoma you, probably not but um you know you're competing with these schools for well, there's only four spots i mean the it should be eight let's be real but you, there's only four spots ohio state's going to get in lsu is going to get in and clemson is going to get in so you're you're competing for that final spot and to do that you have to win big and a 34 to 6 victory is not really what the committee is looking at especially when you see utah put up 49 and only give up 3 against a ucla team that has a better defense and has been playing better recently so not good for oregon but i'll go ahead and jump into arizona so it's crazy to think that a lot of people are saying that the defense played well. Like, this should let you know where the Wildcats are, because people in Tucson are surprised at the defensive performance, and they gave up 34 points. People are saying that the defense played its best game in several, in several, maybe more than a month. And that's true. So, you have a team that gave up 34 points today. And if you look at the last games, 56, 41, 41, 51. So, this was the best defensive performance since October 5th against Colorado. And on that game, the defense gave up 30. So, and if you look at the other games this year, so UCLA put up 17. Texas Tech put up 14 Other than that, this was the best defensive performance. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six teams that put up more points on Arizona than Oregon did. And so a lot of that, I think, was the bye week that allowed new defensive coordinator Chuck Cecil to work up slightly altered schemes uh, for blitzing. Blitz packages defensive backs corners who are giving new looks they're they're running around uh certain uh defensive linemen and on the outside uh when it looks like they're going to be dropping back into a passing uh defensive formation so you you think the the uh, defensive backs are going to be back in pass uh, uh protection and they just uh run and blitz instead and so those uh, plays were really um, different than what we've seen all season. And the Cats got three sacks. Um, So that's they only had 10 sacks all season, and they got three in this game. And they also forced an interception. It was on a tip ball, so okay, say what you want about that. But they forced an interception for the first time since the UCLA game in September. So this was the first interception they've had in two months, you know, and the most sacks that they've had in a single game probably all season. So I think a lot of that has to do with Chuck Cecil preparing the team better during the bye week with the formations that I mentioned, the defensive back uh, blitzing when it looks like they're going to be pass defending. So you got to give credit to Chuck Cecil. And who knows, maybe Arizona pulls off a miraculous upset against Utah on senior night. But really it's all coming down to the territorial cup in tempe that's really going to define this season you
0: you 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 all right man i did that the first time but i messed up i tried to look up a stat so i'm not it's not coming through with the same ferocity you know i'm not but i had to try i had to i had to give it a second half for my best gustavo so Utah absolutely manha- uh, manhandled UCLA. <laughs> it wasn't close. I think the final score is 49 to 3. Utah started out as pretty like kind of slow um game is 7 to 3 in the first quarter. Utah piled on 21 in the second and ran out from there. Um no looking back. They really showed off who they are as a team and uh, it's hard not to cheer for this team. Their talent level is quite frankly not like a UW even though they beat them. Not like an Oregon, they have some great, great talent. Don't get it twisted, but these aren't like all five-star recruits like you may see at other schools. And so, for them to be doing what they're doing is truly impressive. They've built a great program, and even though I don't think they're better than Oregon, I think in one game they could actually beat Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Let's return back to the topic at hand, really briefly. I know that. If you're hearing about Utah football, do you really want to hear about a 49 to three score? We know what happened in the game. They beat them. Tyler Huntley did his thing. Like um, <clears throat> Tyler Huntley did his thing. You know, complete lots of passes, put up good stats, calm, cool, collects as always. Zach Moss had another great game, and uh, tight end Brant Keithy um, had over 100 yards receiving on the day. I think I think it's Keithy. Like I said, I know how to spell it. That I can promise you that. But I'm pretty sure it's Brant Keithy. Not Brent like Brent Berry. Brent Keithy. Hey, that's new. That wasn't in the original version. Off the top of the dome, baby. So, yeah, I mean, Utah destroyed them. Like, what more do you need? UCLA wasn't ready. Like, <laughs> come on. So, their defense also um, held a Chip Kelly offense to three points, which is very impressive. But so, looking at the bigger picture for Utah, because that's ultimately what's most important here. I, As I mentioned earlier, the SEC is better the AC, some of these teams in the ACC are better. Clemson and they will completely eat Utah alive. But I still think they have the chance to beat Oregon if they are able to complete the rest of their schedule. They play Arizona next, which really should be a winnable game. I mean, Arizona's defense not proven that they can stop anyone ever, at least this year. And so Utah should be able to score some points, and their their defense will probably handle out whichever quarterback starting for Arizona. So, Utah should be fine in that game. They faced rival uh Colorado in their last week and again, rivalry game anything can happen. So never rule out a rivalry game. No matter team could be 12 and 0 and 12. Weird things happen. The teams come to play, they play hard. And so, Utah, I mean, Utah on paper Utah should win these games pretty freaking easily, I think. That's apparent to say and pretty obvious. I don't know if apparent was the right word, but you get you get my drift. They should win these games. So for Utah, yeah, I mean just Keep riding the pace. They've pretty much manhandled everyone they've played recently, with the exception of the UW game, which Jacob Eason decided to throw that pick six, and Utah, great, well-coached, capitalized, took over, dominated. Um, that was, I mean, with the exception of that UW game, they really haven't been tested since the USC lost. They've been blowing out teams, and uh, yeah, they've been blowing out teams. So good job, Utes. Um, on the other hand here for UCLA, they pulled off that impressive – run of, I believe, four Pac-12 wins in a row. And seriously, from the where they started losing, I think they lost to San Diego State earlier this year. The Aztecs, like, how random is that? I mean, no disrespect to the Aztecs, I actually really like their basketball program. But, like, you know, we're talking college football year. Like, they're not some powerhouse. And for UCLA to lose to them and then pull off four straight um, conference wins to get themselves even in this game is impressive. And their program's come a long way. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson's actually starting to look like a quarterback. I'm not going to go out there and say he's a stud, but he's starting starting to do a little something, a little something. I mean, he won four games. Um, Running back Joshua Kelly is starting to flourish in Chip uh, Chip Kelly's system, getting lots of big games. I was writing about this game earlier, and I didn't want to throw the stat out because I'm not sure, and I'm still not sure. So you can double-check me. Um, Like I said, I don't like to throw out random stats, but I think he – Finish. I think he entered this game with three a um, hundred yard performances uh, the previous three games. Don't quote me on that, but pretty sure. So he's held like something like seventy eight yards. Good testament to the Utah defense. And uh, so anyway, Josh Kelly is starting to <coughs> do his thing, starting to be a kind of game changer again in the end zone. And now for UCLA, you've improved. You still have a chance at a bowl game. Uh, you win one of your ti- final two games. Um, I'm not sure they play next week, but. I think the big thing here for UCLA, as it always is, but if they can knock off uh, USC and What's that rivalry game called, man? It's been a little bit. I actually don't know. I don't know if I've ever known the name of that rivalry game. I think I know the the names of every other rivalry game in conference. you got the Apple Cup, the Civil War, the big game, the Territorial Cup, whatever Utah and Colorado do. I mean, they're new to the conference. They don't count. I'm talking like OG Pac-10 days. What is that game called? I don't know. We'll call it the Battle of LA. I'm making that up. Maybe that's what it's called. If not, I'm making it up myself. But I think no matter what happens next week, like I said, I honestly don't know. Who they're playing. And quite frankly, don't care. If um, USC can, or if UCLA can beat USC, grab six wins and essentially get Clay Elton fired, that would be their season. They make a bowl game, win the bowl game, knock off the Trojans, and they put themselves in position to do this. Um, they ran into a hot Utah team. who was having none of it, none of it. <laughs> they weren't playing today. <laughs> they, they smelled conference, and they were not playing that. So, as always, the quick little sprinkle, sprinkle, sprinkle recap. You got um, Utah doing what they're supposed to winning another dominant game. Do I think they can win a college football playoff game? Zero cha- 0.1% chance. Um, the SEC is still better, and the ACC is still better. Well, sorry, Clemson's better. I'm not going to go that far. Let's not get too mad at me, Pac-Told Nation. Actually, get mad at me. I don't care, man. I'm just I'm saying my truth. Get mad at me. Get riled right up. And so for um, Utah, I was just talking about Utah. Excuse me. For uh, U- uh, UCLA, knock off the Trojans in the game that I've dubbed the Battle of Los Angeles, if that's what it's really called, um, and win a bowl game. And you've done a good job. Great turnaround. Don't, get, don't beat yourself up too much. Chip Kelly's done a fabulous job turning the program around. Uh let's see what they can do going forward.
1: Utah looks like a college football playoff team. I think this game puts them above Oregon in a lot of people's minds because Oregon struggled a little bit against Arizona and Utah crushed UCLA. And UCLA was playing great recently. They were on a you know an upswing uh over the past, you know, month, maybe month and a half or so. And what you UC- uh, you know, what Utah did to them is very impressive and in the minds of the college football, uh, football playoff committee in east coast media the defensive strength of utah is very important and i'm not going to be surprised if the playoff committee puts utah above oregon in this week's rankings i'm gonna put utah above uh Oregon in my power ranking for I think the first time all year. And this victory the margin of victory, the way it was done, is one of the most impressive wins of the year. I still think Oregon's victory at USC was a bit more impressive, but this one is, you know, a half step behind that. And that the the margin of victory here it, it's Big that's what the college football playoff committee wants if you look at what Clemson did what Ohio State did you know not really what LSU did but they put up like 59 points and then you look at what Utah did it's similar it's a massive blowout with you know holding teams to not scoring very much that that is what the committee wants to see that's what they need to see and Utah absolutely did what they needed to do and then more. So this was this can't be understated what they did. Um, sim- this is this is a similar game to what Oregon did at USC and how after that I was saying oh, okay Oregon is definitely could pop is going to make the playoff like they they look like a superior team. They're playing great. This was a signature win etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And this is similar. Um forty nine to three. Okay, that that is a demolition. And UCLA is playing good recently. They're not they haven't been playing bad. So this this was uh this was big. This can't be understated. And you look at Tyler Huntley, fourteen for eighteen, two touchdowns, Zach Moss, this is the big one. Seventeen carries, a hundred and twenty seven yards with two touchdowns, and they had a receiver, Kuthay, Kuth, Keith, I don't know, um, five receptions, 132 yards with the touchdown. And, yeah, they held uh, UCLA to just 269 yards while putting up 536. So, yeah, I mean, at this point, if if the championship game was tomorrow, Utah versus Oregon, I'm taking Utah. And this is the first time I've said this all season. And I think a lot of people are going to feel the same way based on what Oregon did this weekend and what Utah did this weekend. Utah looks better. And they look better for the first time all year. So take that as you may, you know, disagree with it if you want. But I've been on the Oregon train all year. And I've I've now switched to Utah, and I didn't think that was going to happen, but it is what it is at this point. And it, I mean, so if you're UCLA, just shrug this one off. You got, I think, Cal coming up and USC. Both of those are winnable games. The battle for LA, uh, it's, it's always a great game to watch. I've said this before. I, I'm really excited to see how that one turns out. And if you're UCLA, you can win that game you can also beat Cal so um I wouldn't I would just burn this tape uh don't worry about it at all and move on to the next week because frankly you got bigger fish to fry uh Utah's you know probably going to make the playoff uh depending on if they win the championship game or not so just brush this one off your shoulder and move on and if you're Utah you need to continue these margin of victories um this was exactly what the committee wanted and you've got Colorado on the schedule coming up, which is an opportunity for you to blow out another team, and Arizona, which is also an opportunity for you to blow out another team. So it'll be interesting to see the margin of victory here in Tucson coming up next weekend. Historically, um, Utah has somewhat struggled against Arizona, especially uh, in Tucson. It's not really true recently, but in the Rich Rodriguez era, uh, Arizona had Utah's number, and that's changed, but it's still on the mind of the coaching staff, and we'll have to see how they do. It'll be a really good gauge to see Utah's uh, margin of victory over Arizona because Arizona just played Oregon. So you can combine those two scores, and a lot of the college football committee playoff committee will be looking at the margin of victory this weekend. So, yeah, yeah. I'm really, uh, I've, I've, switched, I've switched trains from Oregon to Utah. I think Utah is now the best team in the Pac-12. And if I had to guess, the game was held tomorrow. Utah beats Oregon and makes it to the college football playoff.
0: All right. Want to hear the most Seattle thing ever, ladies and gentlemen? I took a break. I got some ginger, now I'm relaxed from this tea, what is it called, ginger chamomile tea to wind out the night, I got it from Whole Foods, it's organic, you, Seattle baby, it's Seattle, you gotta, you know, it's just some nice soothing tea, it's about bedtime, come on guys, you gotta know these things, so, all right, I'm like actually too relaxed now, I, I did not think this through, I'm gonna take one more sip and get back to it, final game, UC Cow. So, I think I want to start this game off. I think. I'm already talking about it. Is that I feel terrible for Cal quarterback Chase Garbers. Um, he returned to this game and suffered an injury. And uh, I don't know how long he's out for. I haven't checked the details. If it's like a week-to-week or end-of-season or end-of-career. And uh, football is a brutal sport. Um, so, respect to, respect to everyone who steps out on the field, honestly. just I don't know. I'm getting all sentimental now. Look at this. But no, I mean, in seriousness, they like risk their body, and especially these college kids. Um, they get free school, but they, you know, but they're risking their body. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, I don't want to get too deep into this because I don't really have an opinion one way or another if we're going, you know, a little bit deeper into this side of things. But so I just feel bad for the kid, and I hope he's all right. You know, he, he's clearly fought hard to get back. I'd take a wild guess because he really was leading the team. So. Chase Garbers, get healthy, man. Um, yeah, get healthy, bud. You know, you got a lot of life ahead of you. Good job, man. So, I'm I'm saying good job like I'm coaching him or something. Like, I mean, maybe he's listening. Chase, where you at, playa? Feel better. But so, in terms of the actual game, uh, USC started off kind of slow. And they did, um, I mean, they, they won pretty easily going away. It was like 4 17 or something along those lines. And Keaton Slovis, another great performance, uh, over 400 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr., uh, 180 yards, I believe, 11 receptions. And one thing I want to say is with Keaton Slovis, he's a freshman, man. Like, I believe he's actually a true freshman. And so, like, look at what he's doing. And look at – I'm not going to vouch for Clay Helton's job one way or another because – for me to act like I know enough about that situation would be a whole load of stinky BS. But like they're seven and four with a true freshman quarterback and a defense that's been pretty battled or pretty pretty battled. I said battle again, pretty beat up. Spit it out there, bud. So again, they're seven and four with a team that's been really beat up this year, uh, they're out without their uh starting quarterback and JT Daniels. They are down to their third stringer in Matt Fink at one point. And Keaton Slovis has done great. And so well, they'll have a decision to make next year. Granted, it's the air raid system. The number's are a little inflated. But a true freshman quarterback to put up these numbers is impressive. And what's fair is fair. Um, I've been ragging on the Pac-12 a lot in comparison at to the top. I, their top talent, you know, you, you've been listening. You know, you don't need me to repeat it. Let's not get y'all fired up again. But what – what um. As fair as fair as Michael Pittman Jr., the receiver for the, Trojans, for the Trojans, he could play for any team in the country. He is one of the best receivers in the nation. We have some great receivers around the Conference of Champions, the Pac-12, West Coast, baby. But Michael Pittman Jr. is by far the most NFL body ready. From a physical standpoint, he is by far the best. Isaiah Hodgins may understand the game. But there's some things you can't teach. And Pittman Jr. is a freak. You get that man the ball. He's going to make plays. So I want to shout him out. And again, the Trojans routed Cal. I mean, you don't need, like, these crazy explanations, like, from me. Like, that's not what you hear from me. So for Cal, man, Chase, that's just tough. That's just tough. And so they had Devin Monster come in again. He, uh... He had a tough day, probably kinda of an emotional roller coaster for him. He was a starter. He wasn't the starter. Now he started again. He he really couldn't get the job done. He didn't do much. I, I don't know his exact yardage. No, he threw two interceptions on the day. And uh Cal's offense really kind of sputtered as it has since the Garbers injury. They really have not found their rhythm. And I think for Cal, it's just the program's so young and being built that losing, um I guess Garbers I've spent a lot of time talking about him. Just losing him, they haven't been able to respond this year. And I don't really know their chances of making a bull. I don't really foresee them beating anyone. They may be able to beat Stanford in the big game, but like they just they've like faltered without him. They've fallen so quick. And that I mean, I'm not exact I'm not exactly sure how to describe it. I haven't seen anything necessarily like it. It's kind of shocking to me that Cal wasn't able to figure out <clears throat> Sorry, I've been holding this coffin for a second. I've been, so I've been talking Mr. Roboto over here. But, um, like, yeah, they just haven't figured it out. This isn't something I can analyze and tell you what it is. It's quite shocking. Maybe is Garber's really this good of a player that the team can't compete without him? Or can not can only compete with him? I mean, or, or, they're, or are they just really that limited at the quarterback position? But this is still a Pac-12 school. You'd think the backups would have credibility. I mean, Cal's a solid program. Marshawn Lynch went there. Aaron Rodgers went there. So it's not like this is some like deadbeat program that no one's heard of. They have players. They have talent. Granted, it may not be the Oregon, Washington's, or, you know, like, yeah, pretty much Oregon or Washington or USC's. But they have talent. And so really just interesting how their season has played out. I wish I could like sit here and like lie to you but I'm not sure what to make of Cal Uh, let's see how they finish out the season their defense is good that's for sure Justin Wilcox appears to be a good head coach so quick wrap up as always I think USC they've been pretty good this year all things considered their injuries it's easy to forget they won the conference I think they won the conference championship and actually the Rose Bowl within the last three years maybe it's two years ago don't quote me on that, but I think it may have been two years ago, and it's easy to forget that. Uh, granted, they have high standards. I mean, it, it is UOC, uh, but they've done pretty well this year, all things considered. And if they beat UCLA in the bowl that I apparently dubbed the Battle of Los Angeles, if that's its real name, and finish eight and four and win a bowl game, pretty successful campaign and good job. They've beaten the teams they should um, ever, ever since uh, that loss to BYU early in the season. And yeah, I mean, good job all around. Again, I, I'm not here to speak on what's going to happen with Clayton's future. But from my take, I think he's done a good job this year. And all I can speak of is this year. Not the past, but this current year. So let's see what happens with the Trojans. They beat UCLA. They win a bowl. Great year. 9-4. And, and for Cal, I already told you guys. I don't know, man. Cal makes... Like, they, they either need a new quarterback or Chase Garbers is the ruler of America. So... Garber's get better. Um, yeah, Cal's football program is just kind of an interesting place right now. But good things should happen under Justin Wilcox. I truly believe in the coaching ability of Justin Wilcox. So this year may be rough, especially after the hot start and rising to 15th in the country. But let's just see what happens next year. And if they make a bowl this year, because I've completely written them off, anything's possible. Hey, good for them.
1: Okay, so final game of the weekend. Um Maybe the most surprising, though, that UCLA game might take the cake, and Wazoo had a surprising uh, margin of victory. But this one was, yeah, I, I did not expect this to be a 41-17 to victory. I, I wouldn't have been surprised if Cal had won. The game was out there in Berkeley. I was expecting it to be much more competitive and for Cal to put out a better performance than this because... This was not good. I mean, there's no way around it. This was, frankly, terrible. And Chase Garbers, I guess, got pulled uh, from Monster, who played better. Though Monster threw two picks. Um, so, yeah, I, there's not much you can say about what Cal did. It's more of a, a reflection on USC. So, yeah, another great performance by Slovis. Look at this, 29 for 35 with four touchdowns in 406 yards. Now, this is starting to develop into a quarterback controversy for next season. Who do you start? Slovis or JT Daniels? Uh, and this is going to be a very interesting offseason for USC for a lot of reasons and we don't have to discuss the coaching situation because I've mentioned this previously uh, in depth on, on this podcast. So, I'm not going to go back into that again because it's obvious. So, but anyways, Yeah, Slovis versus Daniels. Who are you going to start? And Slovis has looked better than Daniels. Daniels didn't look all that great last year. And I think Slovis is playing better. But you have to take into consideration the spread offense that they run now. They didn't run the first year with Daniels. Uh, They had a new offensive coordinator this year who's implemented this new system. So that's going to make your quarterback look better. Um... Though, four touchdowns with no interceptions and 406 yards while only throwing six incompletions is a very, very solid performance. And you look at Michael Pittman Jr., 11 receptions, 180 yards, and a touchdown. So, yeah, that was a great game offensively through the air. For SC, it looks like they only had 56 rushing yards. So, they have become the wazoo of the South when it comes to their offensive system, and I think that is good for them. Though it's unclear if that system is going to stay around if they decide to go in a new direction with their coach. So it's really up in the air what's going to happen to USC moving forward. Though this game was definitely solid. You're 7 for 13 on third down, and you scored 41 points against a Cal defense who... I don't remember the last time they let up this many points. I know they had a terrible game against Utah, but this is a really unusual performance for the Cal defense and ah, i don't even I don't even know what to say about Cal. They're so inconsistent, they're so up and down. I had a lot of hopes from the beginning of the year, and it's fizzled so yeah, I mean, you got the big game coming up. So, and if you win that game, you'll be bowl eligible. So, and the way Stanford's played, um, I I would probably pick Cal to win that game. So we will see. That's going to be a good one to watch. It's 2 p.m. on this Saturday coming up. So it's a, one of those rivalry games that uh, you're going to want to watch uh, regardless of, you know, who you are, what who your favorite team is. This is going to be a fantastic matchup And um, it'll be really interesting to see who wins that game. And then you go to UCLA to finish the year off, which is also a winnable game. Uh, So if you're the Bears, you still got a lot in front of you. I mean, you've historically struggled against USC. So if I had told you at the beginning of the year that you're going to lose to USC, you wouldn't have been shocked. You probably would have been shocked by the score. Though, not shocked by the loss. So, really got to shake this one off. And the big game here is coming up. So, that's all that matters. I know you. Any, any team, if they beat their rival, considers it a good season. You know, not a great season, a good one. You could have three wins, and if you beat your rival, that's really all that matters. And I don't really remember the last time that Cal beat Stanford. So, if it was going to happen it's going to be this year and that's all that matters so we'll see how it goes for them and hopefully they can get the win um for their fan base and they'll be bowl eligible and we'll see i'm hoping that they get to the cheese It bowl again because that was an absolutely fantastic game it was one of the like best worst games ever like if that makes sense like it was such a bad game that you could not stop watching it was so good because it was so bad There were like seven interceptions, and it just kept happening and happening. And I was just on the couch like, this is the greatest game I've seen in a long time. And I hope they get back to the Cheez-It Bowl, and they get to do something similar. Um, Hopefully not as many interceptions, but hopefully a good competitive game like it was. Um, So I'm looking forward to that. I think Cal is going to beat Stanford. So uh, if you're a Cal fan, there's still a lot to play for. You can still make a bowl game. You got five wins, and your defense, though, was bad this game um it's probably not a real reflection of who they are so you'll you'll be good going forward I wouldn't worry too much and then for USC you only have one game left so and it's UCLA another big rivalry we're at that point of the year so that will be an interesting matchup um we'll see how it goes could be Clay Helton's last game or not so we'll see and I mean, you're you're at seven wins, four losses. You can end the year with eight wins and go to a good bowl game. I think the Alamo Bowl certainly would take you. At the very least, you're probably making the Holiday Bowl. So those are two good games that are um, fun to watch, um, regardless of what teams are in it. So it wasn't the worst year. Last season, you had five wins. You're up to seven this year. So at least you're improving. But i've i've said previously my thoughts on clay helton so i'm not gonna rehash that we'll focus on ucla coming up and um that'll be another really good game to watch it doesn't look like the time oh yeah the time has been announced so uh 1 p.m game though i don't see the the uh, tv but by the time this podcast is uh published there'll be a a tv uh a broadcaster so That'll be a really good game to watch if you're a neutral fan of the conference. Um definitely watch the Stanford, or I'm sorry, this UCLA versus USC and also um Stanford versus Cali. These are two major rivalries that are happening this week and coming up, and it'll be fun to watch both of those games.
0: As we close down the week, I was just scrolling through my segments and I think I covered all the games. I, I hope so. Like, you know, but big takeaways from this week is, I mean, let's be honest. There were some great games. Um, the high power teams held it down at the top. Um, Oregon State pulled off a nice one in the middle. Uh, WSU kind of continued. They've, they kind of won a game. Their season could fold. It's a nice one for them. And, yeah, good, good one for you. See, I can name every game here, but come on, you get the point. Like, come on now. And so the big takeaway though is still there's gonna be some help needed from the outside for uh, Oregon or Utah to get in the college football playoff. As I've mentioned, I don't think either team really stand a chance in the college football playoff. Don't you love me? But I do think it would be cool for the conference to get in. Still, I'm still a huge Pac-12 supporter. Whether you like my opinion or not. And I think that Oregon and Utah will definitely need some help. It hurt that Auburn lost to Georgia this week, so Georgia's going to keep themselves up there. Uh, Minnesota lost, um, which takes a little bit of pressure. Minnesota lost to Iowa, which takes a little bit of pressure off the committee you know, to kind of put an undefeated team. So that slightly increases their chances. But there's none of the big wins. So for Oregon and Utah, both teams took care of business, but they're still waiting on a little help. Um, Oregon's officially clinched the North. Uh, Utah has to beat Arizona and um, Colorado to clinch up the South. USC still biting on their heels. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I forgot to say that in the USC segment. <laughs> hey, flat, brain flash. Um. Yeah, I mean USC is still in the running. I don't do. I think Utah is going to lose. No, but um, they've they've put the pressure on them. They're nipping at their heels, and that's all you can really do. So good job by them. So yeah, the Pac twelve needs some help from the outside in the middle um I always trying to do a quick kind of thing in the middle I the 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 what what they put in this ginger tea man They must have slipped some vodka in here some I don't know what's going on chamomile what's that okay yeah so you got WCU with the win over Stanford good job by them uh, they're still looking for that killer instinct Step, uh, kind of step on the neck, kind of approach, end teams quickly. Let's not mess around, but still good win for the, good, uh, good week for them in uh dad's weekend, and you had Oregon State over Arizona State, and what could have been the probably the most interesting game of the week. Um, for for Oregon State, they uh really have completely turned around the, the face of their program. They're a real team now. They're not like a team you just see on your schedule and let's go party the night before. Like, you know, seriously, if you're in college, if college athlete, you may consider that when Oregon State was 1 10. They're no longer that team. They should be feared and great job by, not feared, but they should be respected and great job by Jonathan, uh, head coach Jonathan Smith and quarterback Jake Luton being the faces and turning around that program. Also, I, wide receiver Isaiah Hodgins. Don't want to leave him out of that. Um, so, who we got left here? Got the Cougs covered. We got the Beeves covered. Got the teams at the top. Oregon and Utah blowing teams out. I'm not going to discuss a blowout. You guys have better things to do. So, oh, here's the game. I forgot the top. Um, USC. You know, I think I did say USC. They beat Cal. They're still in the running, and yeah, they just—they were part of my brain flash. Yeah. So we got it all covered. USC still in the running. Needs some help from Utah. Good win over Cal, but. Once, uh, once Chase Carver's got hurt, that, was, that should have been expected. Pac-12, trying to think of something super cool and creative to end it. You know what? It's not coming to me. It's been fun. Thanks for listening. Happy Halloween. Happy Easter. Happy New Year's. Happy whatever. Have a good day. Deuces. Dane, take us out. The man with the facts and the plan.
1: The story here is Utah. Utah crushing UCLA was a more impressive victory than Oregon beating Arizona. And if you're a cultural ball playoff committee member, you feel the same way. Uh, any objective person, you know, they're going to look at this week's results and kind of scratch their head about what Oregon did. So, yeah, it's really, uh, I'm I'm really surprised that I'm actually saying this, but Utah looks better and if the championship game was this weekend, I think even Vegas would favor Utah. So, good for them, good for the Utes. And for Oregon, you're going to you're going to need to crush ASU. There's no you can't have a close game, you can't. If I mean, I I still think, okay, let's let's put it this way. Even if Oregon has a close game against ASU and a close game against Oregon State, if they beat Utah, they're still in the playoffs. So let's not sound the alarm too bad, but Utah is looking better. And like I said, if the game was this weekend, Utah would probably beat Oregon. And so that's that's my big red flag from this weekend. was I was expecting Oregon to put up 70 and win by 50, and they put up 34 and won by 28. So that's significantly below expectations. And Utah put up 49 and let up three against a UCLA team that's better than Arizona. I know Arizona beat UCLA without Khalil Tate and all that. But, I mean, that was at the beginning of the year when UCLA was still getting their you-know-what together. So it's just a weird sort of weekend. Not what, not what was what expected. I um, thought Oregon would do better. Though uh, Utah is playing great, so yeah, I'm I'm shocked. I'm surprised, a little bit disappointed in Oregon's performance. So we'll have to see how it all shakes out. Wazoo had a nice win. Stanford is just not looking good. Uh, USC with a good win. Cal got to shake that off. Focus on Stanford and ASU on a big slide which is shocking. Great thing for Oregon State. And there's a couple teams that are on the edge of making a bowl game. So it'll be really interesting to see who wins coming up this weekend, who gets bowl eligible. And two of those big rivalry games are happening. So it's going to be a great Saturday coming up this weekend in the Pac-12. It's going to be really fun to watch. A lot of uh, different things going on with different teams. So uh, certain fan bases are really excited. Other certain fan bases not so much. And teams at the top are still eligible for the college football playoff. And I think it's clear that the winner of the Pac-12 championship game is going to make the playoffs, assuming that both Oregon and Utah win out. Um, so I might be being a little little bit over dramatic for the Oregon result, though I don't really think I am. But we um, will just chalk it up to that. You know, Utah is playing great. Oregon is playing good. And that's a key distinction. Utah's playing great. Oregon is playing good. So we'll see how it goes. Really fun um, weekend coming up. And there's a lot of uh, moving pieces that uh, will be interesting to see how it goes.